the power of prayer. It's so good to see you. The intercessors coming to our house and anointing our property. The people that called, text, emailed us, wrote us. There's nothing like that. And you don't know what you have until it's gone. I don't think I've ever missed this much, church. But I know what I have in the body of Christ, and that's why I hold it very highly. Fellowship, and you're going to hear about that today. But you know, sometimes in the middle of, of hard places and storms, we can lose track of the promise. And certain scriptures mean more during, during, during different seasons, and I'm sure you know that. Like, you can know a scripture, but then when you're in a certain season, that scripture means something different. And I read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and I love the scripture, and I want you to write it in your phone or in your journal. Because this is something that I always come back to, but especially in a storm. It says, verse 23 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. In other words, I don't look at what's going on around me. I don't look at the chaos. I don't look at the natural realm. I don't waver in my hope. For he who is promised is faithful. So first, I must not waver. I must not waver because he who promised is faithful. He will see you through. Amen? So listen, I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what promise you're holding out and holding on to this morning, but I can tell you right now that you need to hold Hebrews 10, 23 right here, that I will hold on to the promise because he, the one that I believe in, is faithful. He will do it. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the in the natural, the chaos may be happening, but I know that he will do it. Because he who promised is faithful. Amen. I want you to lift up your hands all over the room. I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare right now, we are, we come into agreement right now that every promise be fulfilled in every woman's heart, in every man's heart. Father, you said where two or three agree in your name that it shall be done. And you said that whatever is bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever is loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven according to Matthew chapter 16. So Lord, I declare in the name of Jesus, we bind in sickness today. We bind infirmity today. And we lose healing into the atmosphere today. Oh, we bind life today. And we release provision. Jehovah Jireh, be provider today. Lord, we find sickness and disease. And we thank you, Lord, that you have loosed healing into this room. Oh, we just thank you for your grace. Yes, and for those that yes, are joining us online today. God, yes. that may be sick in their home, but we just pray for healing over them. We pray for deliverance. We pray yes, for Jesus. joy to invade their homes. Peace of God come into their homes. Wherever they're at at work, wherever they're joining us today, that the grace of God would be upon them. I thank you for the anointing of God. I thank you for freedom in our nation, Lord. I just pray over our nation, kingdom come, your will be done in this nation, Lord, as it is in heaven. We declare your goodness over our nation. God, we declare liberty and freedom. God, we pray for your church. Your church would arise in power and strength and anointing. Lord, we believe, God, that you're building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We declare your goodness over our nation. We declare light and we declare revelation and we declare healing. God, we declare truth. God, we declare truth, Lord, over our nation, Lord. God, I just pray that the deception would be exposed and truth we rule and reign in our nation, Lord. We pray for our schools, Lord. We pray for our teachers, our children. God, we pray that righteousness 
Amen. Is anybody convinced to join a small group? No. No? Okay, we got one. We got one. Okay, by the end of the message, we're going to have more. Amen. Hey, uh, I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, this ain't Pastor Archie. <laughs> you're like, I can't. I had to wait two weeks to come back to church, and then you're going to give me the third stringer. Okay. <laughs> All right, if you thought that, the Lord's got something for you spe specifically. Okay, he's working on your heart right now. Pastor Archie and Pastor Tangie. Can we get up for, for our pastors? Amen. Praise the Lord for them. We have some great, great Amen. pastors here. They're, they'll actually be doing a Valentine's special message together next week for you. So we encourage you to come out, check that out. But today, you're stuck with me. Okay, I want to uh, I want to just introduce to you who I am. If you don't know me, my name's Pastor Eric. Um, I'm the, past, uh, the campus pastor of the Moyaka campus, and I wanted to show you a picture of my family to help you get to understand a little bit more of who I am. If you don't know me, this is my wife, Stacy, and uh, somebody's clapping for her. I don't know why. Uh, my son, Ellis, and my daughter, uh, Briley. And so that's our little family of four. And uh, I, let me just stop there because I don't know if there's... Never mind. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I did want to say, especially as we're streaming online, I wanted to say you might not be able to come to our campus. If you know somebody who can, please tell them. One thing that I want to appeal to you for is for prayer. Um, you know, it's, it's not just because it's the right thing to say. Like, you know, please pray. Like, I really believe if we're going to do things for God's kingdom, it has a birthing of a church has to be through prayer. It has to be. If we're going to see the kingdom of God expanded and souls saved, it's going to have to come through prayer. So please pray for us. Please pray for us. Uh, we got some Moyak section over here. I'll see you guys. Uh, there's a chapel over there. Uh, shout out to my people. Um, we've, been, we've been talking about, uh, 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 we've been in a series, been talking about this word return in the, uh, in the past few messages. Pastor Scott has talked about the disciplines of faith. The past two messages, our pastors talked about faith, and uh, and so I want to talk to you today about one of those disciplines, and uh, and so I, I want to start with the question that Pastor Scott has asked, and like two out of the four messages he preached, <laughs> I love Pastor Scott, he's right to the point, you know, this is what he says, if you, <laughs> if you feel like you're not growing or experiencing closeness with the Lord, how well are you practicing the disciplines of faith? I mean, he don't beat around the bush. He just goes right to the point. You know, it's like, oh, sweetie, you're not experiencing God. Are you doing what he says to do? You know, it's like, wow. Okay, Pastor Scott. Is that? Man. Just, um, but if you want to see God and experience God, right, in, in a closeness and a fellowship with the Lord and enjoy the kind of life that Jesus came to make available, then maybe we should try doing what he told us to do. I mean, you, you know, I mean, what? Maybe we just need to return to what he said. Yeah. Amen. I mean, maybe, maybe we just need to keep it simple today and not try anything outside the box and just do what Jesus said. Right? Just do what the word says. And so I want to walk you through some verses in the book of Acts. I'm talking about the early church. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we're going to work our, our, our way through the rest of those verses uh, today. This is what it says right here, Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I love what it says. Uh, it, it tells us not only what we're supposed to do, but how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to be devoted to it. We're not just supposed to kind of, you know, half in, half out, one foot in the world, one foot in the word. You know, I mean, he said you're supposed to be devoted. So I said, well, what's that word? It's, it's this Greek word, and it means to be earnest towards, to adhere to, to be constantly diligent of a thing, to be steadfastly attentive. When you read that Bible, and, it's, and it says things that maybe we're not doing, or and there's a command there that we're not, like, are we steadfastly attentive to obeying that thing that we read? That's devotion, right? Full devotion to the Lord, like, like man, I'm not doing that, and so what I need to do is I need to change my life in order to match what that says, and, and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to do that. That's devotion, right? That's the kind of devotion I believe the Lord is calling us to return to today, and I believe that's the kind of devotion that God honors, honestly. You know, he said he spits lukewarm out of his mouth. It's disgusting to him. It makes him sick, you know, and, and I don't think that's a... a 
I don't really think that's something bad to say about you. I think God actually says that because of what that paints the picture of about his kingdom to other people who aren't inside of his kingdom. I think that's why it makes them sick, because it repels other people. Because when people see a lukewarm believer, they're turned off by it. And God's sickened by his believers turning off people who don't know him yet. Because that's what God wants everyone to know him. Right? That's what, I mean, that's one of our core values here is to know God. I mean, in John it says, this is eternal life that you know me. That you know him. That's what eternal life is all about. That's what it's all going to, that's what everything has always been about. Knowing God. We're going to spend eternity getting to know God. And there's, I mean, matchless wonder and his majesty. There's not going to be enough that we can understand. I mean, we're going to continue to learn and get to know about him. But we have to be devoted. We have to be devoted. A disciple of Jesus is a, devo is a devoted follower of him. Like what the king says, that's what goes. <laughs> Whatever the king commands and decrees, that's what I do. Because I'm in the kingdom. I, but, but you have to choose to be in that kingdom. Amen. <laughs> you have to... We've placed ourselves within that kingdom when we became followers of Jesus. And to make him your Lord is to make him your king. And what he says goes, not what you say. Not what you experience. Not what you want. <laughs> right? Not what you feel is right. Not what you think. What his word said, the things that he has commanded, that's what we do with our life. Yep. Let's read a little bit more in that verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to fellowship right there hand in hand so doing what the word says is being in a in a tight connection with the people of god fellowship it's a word that we don't hear very much and it's kind of in the, like the king james version and stuff but this is essentially what it means it means a participation we're supposed to participate with the body we're supposed to use our gifts, and people are supposed to bless us, and we're supposed to bless them. We're supposed to get to know people. We're supposed to be in an intimate communion with one another. And I believe we've actually forgotten about something that God tells us throughout his word, is that if we want to know God, see, God has placed his spirit inside of our, our temple. He's made us temples of the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? If we want to know God, we better get around people who God is inside. Amen. <laughs> if God, see, if God's Holy Spirit is placed inside of you. Many people think they want, to, they want to experience God outside of the church. And I'm not saying you can't. I mean, God can do anything he wants to do. But how he set it up is that you will experience God in his fullness through his church. Yeah. It's through his body. It's through the manifestation, it's through the spirit, it's through his presence when his body gathers together and his presence comes. When two or three are gathered in his name, he's there, yeah. right? Yeah. When we gather, he's there. There's something powerful and unique that happens when the body gathers together that doesn't happen when they don't. That's the reality. Pastor Scott says this, fellowship only happens, I feel like I'm, I'm quoting you a lot, Pastor Scott, uh, <laughs> I, you can just say, I'm listening. Are y'all devoted to listen? Okay. Um, <laughs> fellowship only happens when Christ is at the center. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There's a difference between community and fellowship. Yeah. See, I was, uh, my wife and I, my family were getting settled into our new home in Mobyock, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I saw like, it was like four ladies. They must have like a walking crew because they were walking their dogs. And I'm like, I'm just going to take my dog on a walk and just see what happens. I might run into him, you know, or I might meet somebody. So I'm walking my dog. She's a little, she's a little nugget anyway. She needs, she needs some exercise. And so, um, and so I'm walking her and I, I see my neighbor. He's outside working on his Jeep. And, and so I slow down a little bit. I'm like picking some rocks and stuff. I'm like trying to get his attention, you know, just like shooting the breeze. And so I come up to him, I'm like, oh, hey. How, how are you doing? Just strike up a conversation. You know, it was nice. We got to talk and talk for like 15, 20 minutes. We talked about, you know, what I was doing here and, you know, where I came from and what he did as a retired Navy guy. Praise the Lord for military. And, you know, I mean, we just got to talking to him and, and it was nice. It was cute, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, I went to the coffee shop. It's the only coffee shop in Moyot, so you know, that, that's where I had to go. Um, there's a little bit of the community center there, so I find myself there often, L.J. Beaners, and, uh, and I saw this woman in there had a Bible open, and I'm like, hey, you got that 2,000-year-old book uh, open, you know, it, it, what's it saying? What's it saying to you? You know, it, it, like, are you learning anything out of it? 
And so she, we got to talking, and I tell you what, man, it turned into a powerful time. Like, all of a sudden, we started encouraging one another. We started talking about the kingdom. We started talking about the Holy Spirit. We started talking about what God was doing in the area, what God needed to do in the area, what she's been praying for God to do in the area. I, I started realizing we were the answer to some prayers, and she was, like, it was fellowship because Christ was at the center. See, the community was cute. But fellowship was powerful. It started generating ideas for the kingdom, strategies for what God wanted to do in that geographic location, right? What the kingdom was coming to do. If we want the kingdom to come, we got to get into some fellowship, y'all. We got to get together with some like-minded believers who are about the same thing because there's power in numbers. Fellowship. Fellowship is different than community. It's different. Let's read a little bit more in Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Right? That's kind of what fellowship looks like. You just eat together, you hang out together, you pray together, but there's a focus on the Lord. Verse 43, a sense of awe came over everyone. Something supernatural started to happen when they devoted themselves to the fellowship of believers. And this is what it says. The apostles performed many wonders and signs. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. I think that's the actually, that's a distinctive factor. It's not only that we come together physically, but we have everything in common. Amen. Everything that matters for eternity, we have in common in Christ. Yep. Right? Because, because we go by the book. Amen? So we're living our life. Everything we have in common is found in that book. And, we, and that's what it's all about. That, when we gather, when we fellowship, that's what it's all about. It's about Him. Right? So we have that in common. We have everything that matters in common, selling their possessions and their goods, they shared with everyone who was in need. That's a hard one. Uh, with one accord, they continued to meet daily in the temple courts and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to the number of those who were being saved. There are two ways in which we see this scripture tell us to fellowship. One is the temple courts, right? It's the large gathering of believers. It's the church. It's where we come together, and it's this unique experience that we have where we're praising God, right? And, and you get to hear the gospel delivered, and, and you know, you can bring people here. And it, there's just something different, something distinct about God's church when we gather together. The temple courts, the church, right? And, and our pastor even said it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's something about the church that brings the power of God with it. Amen. We're called to meet in the temple courts, the church. But we're also called to meet house to house, breaking bread. Because there's an intimacy there. There's a fellowship that, that happens as we're face to face. That doesn't happen as, you know, as we meet in this country. There's certainly a kind of fellowship that happens in church, but there's a different sort of element that happens. It's, it's a different aspect of what God intended for us in our fellowship, and it happens from house to house. I want to attempt to illustrate this by, uh, by bringing somebody up. Ethan, come on up. Can I get a hand for Ethan? Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. One of the wisest men to ever live, not Ethan, um, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, his name was King Solomon. King Solomon. Don't laugh too hard, man. <laughs> Aside from Jesus, right, who was wisdom to us, but, but Solomon was one of the wisest men that God gave him supernatural wisdom. And this is what he says to us, two are better than one. Amen. Two are better than one. I remember we were doing some work. It would have took me probably 45 minutes to an hour to do myself, but we did it together. We had a good time doing it, and it only took like 10 minutes. This is what, this is what Solomon said, because they have good return for their labor. They have good return for their labor. See, if I'm trying to do something alone, I'm only going to be able to do a certain amount, and then I might even have a bad attitude. I might start to develop, you know, I might start uh, moaning, complaining, or whatever. But we do it together, we go further. We're better together. That's, that's what God said. You're better together. Don't try to do the Lone Ranger Christianity. That stuff don't work. I tried that one. It didn't work. This is what it says. Uh, if, if either of them falls down, that's what it says. One can help the other up. Come on. Let's go. One can help the other up. But, but this is what Solomon said. Check this out. Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity that man. Whew. 
That's a, that's a strong word from the Lord. Yeah. You pity the person who doesn't have anybody to help them up. See, that although one may be overpowered, he says, two can defend themselves. <laughs> hey, because we can go back to back. We can watch each other's back. You know, hey, give it up for Ethan. Go ahead, Ethan. We're better together. And actually, uh, it says that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Amen. Not quick. See, the more numbers that you have, the more powerful you are. The more ways that you connect in the fellowship of the body, the more strength you're going to receive from it. The more impartation you're going to, the stronger your faith is going to be. The more encouraged you're going to be. The more prepared you're going to be to do what God has called you to do in this world when you're connected to the body. To his body. I mean, Paul tells us, you know, and, and as a personal trainer and understands something about uh, kinesiology and biomechanics, if, if one muscle is off, right, if, if in your glute something's off, your back is going to be hurting. Anybody got a hurt back? Once said America, 50% of people have got hurt back. Like, you know, because we're sitting all the time, things get tight, muscles turn off, and other ones have to overreact. And we, we feel experience pain because when certain things in the body aren't happening, other parts of the body got to pick up the slack, and there's pain there. So I'm telling you, somebody in the body needs to be activated today in their spiritual gifting for the body, for the edification, for the mutual encouragement of the body. Somebody needs to stop consuming, and someone needs to start participating because that's what fellowship is. It's a participation. It's a participation. Romans 1.11 says this, I yearn to come and be face to face with you. Paul was, was struggling to try to get to the, to the Roman church. He couldn't make it over there. God kept pulling him this way and that way. He was in jail over here. doing. I mean, he was you know, preaching the gospel, doing all kinds of stuff. And this is what he said, to get to know you. To get to know you. We think of the Apostle Paul. We think of some mighty man of God preaching the gospel all over, planted churches. He said, I just want to come and fellowship with you and just, you know, sit face to face. Why? Yeah. Check out what he says. For I long to impart to you some spiritual gift that will empower you. It will empower you. See, I wonder today how many people feel empowered in their spirit. Or how many people need to feel empowered in their spirit. Right? And, and their inner man. It says you, you, you build yourself up in your inner man. One of the ways that you do that, one of the disciplines of the faith, is through fellowship. Yep. It's through fellowship. Something powerful happens. Check this out. That you would stand strong in your faith, he says. Now, this means when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. Something spiritual happens when we gather together physically. Something happens spiritually when we gather together physically. That's what he's telling us. It has, it has a suit. Something happens in the spiritual realm that we don't fully understand. But gifts are energized. People are encouraged and built up. People are edified. People are strengthened in their faith when we gather together. He said we can expect to be encouraged and comforted by each other's faith. Paul needed that too. We all need it. If Paul needed it, you know, we all need it. We all do. I believe that there's not only, there ought, not only needs to be a return to big church, but also the house-to-house -house kind of church. Or, or like a small, like a Bible study. Like a, you know, that's where I found my freedom. Is I found it in a group of men who were struggling. But you know what? When we came together, and we were transparent and open with one another, and we were honest with one another, and we started talking about what we were struggling with, we realized, man, we're all dealing with some similar things. We started praying for each other, and I'll tell you, I'm not the, I would not be the man I am today if it was not for that group. It changed my life. Amen. Changed my life. Changed the whole trajectory of my calling. I believe, I believe if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here on the stage today. I would not be the man that I am today without that group of men praying for me, lifting me up, encouraging me, and ultimately, I found... God's overcoming power for sin and temptation in my life. I found the I stumbled upon the abundant life that Jesus came to make available through simple obedience to his word. I just started gathering with folks. I, I mean, but you know what? That is the most power that I've experienced in my life from God is, in, is with his people. You know, and it wasn't like Man, you know, there was an angel that came and touched me and I felt. I mean, that's not what happened. 
But you know what? They walked with me through my pain and through my stuff. And I came out on the other side and I'm a whole different changed man. I was transformed from the inside out because of fellowship. Amen. Yeah. You might be thinking, what's in it for me? Man, if, you want, if you've been struggling with some things, if you're dealing with some thoughts, if you got stuff in your heart, man, if you got church hurt, you got pain, and you had things done to you when you were a child, you might even be struggling today. God's power is available to you if you would submit to his word and be devoted to the fellowship and the gathering of his people. Powerful things happen when, people, when the people of God get together. That's the reality. That's the, and I don't know if maybe you haven't experienced it. I'm sorry for that. But, um, but that's what the word says. Check this out. Here's the incredible thing. The result of devotion to the apostles' teaching and fellowship is miracles. It's miracles. Why do I say that? What we see in verse 43, it says that as they were devoted to the fellowship and the gathering, signs and wonders began to happen. Right? But let's set that aside, because some of you might be thinking about yourself, oh, well, no, no excuse me. Um, so check this out. It said, the Lord adds daily those who were being saved. The Lord added daily those who were being saved. See, when people begin to see clearly and begin to receive the gospel and begin to be saved, that's a miracle. Yeah. See, all we do is we submit and be obedient to fellowship. And when we do that, God does miracles and he Amen. saves people. Yeah. God saves people's souls for all of eternity. That's a miracle, y'all. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. But when someone who has scales on their eyes and they're walking around in darkness and they can't see the light, when God makes it clear to them that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that's a miracle. Yep. That's a, and God is still in the miracle business. He's still giving people freedom. He's still uh, allowing people to discover their purpose. He's still showing them who he is. He's still working in that way. He still does that today, y'all. I experienced it, where I had darkness in my life and I brought it to light. As he is in the light, says if we'll walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll confess our sins one to another. He's faithful to cleanse us and wash us from all of our sins. But you know when that happens? In the context of fellowship. Yep. The context of fellowship. The Greek word there for saved, the Lord adds daily those who are being saved, is this word sozo. And I looked up the biblical outline of its usage, and it meant a lot more than I thought it did. See, I thought it just meant eternal salvation because, you know, whenever, because we were born sin, I mean, Romans, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? And so we're all born sinners. And so because of that sin, God's judgment and his wrath is upon sinners. And that thank the Lord for Jesus who died for us and saved us from God's wrath. Okay? But check this out. This is what it says. I thought it was just referring to eternal salvation, but actually it means to be kept safe and sound. Because where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's what it says in Proverbs. It, it means to rescue from danger or destruction. Did you know it's Satan's assignment to steal, kill, and destroy from you? Yeah. And one of the ways he does that is he disconnects you yeah. from the fellowship yeah. of believers. Right. See, when a wolf wants to kill an animal, what does he do? He starts nipping at one. He waits until it falls back from the pack, and he starts attacking it. And then the rest of the pack comes around, surrounds it. He doesn't attack it in the pack because he knows there's power in the pack. He waits till it gets alone. He waits till he, he separates it from the body, right? From the body of the animals. And he starts attacking it. And that's when it's vulnerable is when it's alone. Don't be vulnerable to the Lord. That's why Jesus prayed, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need that. And one of the ways he does that is through his body. It's through his body. You have to stay connected to his body. This is also what it means to preserve you or to rescue you. You know, if you're going down the wrong path and you're in real Fellowship. Someone's going to help you out and say, no, no, no. <laughs> don't go there. I've, I've been down there. <laughs> I've been there. I've been in that place. But let me help you up. Let me guide you. Let me direct. Let me help you in this direction. This is the way you need to go. When you're in real fellowship, that will happen. That will happen to you. Because they know you. Because you've opened up to them. They know your heart. It says that it means to save from injury or peril. And this is the most powerful one, y'all. This is where I... I feel like if you didn't listen to anything, if you didn't hear anything I said, I just want you to begin to, to listen now because I believe this is what the Lord revealed to me. 
It says to save a suffering one. This word sozo means to save a suffering one, i.e. from disease, to make well, to heal, and to restore to health. Did you know that there is a special grace that God reserves only in the context of the fellowship of his believers? It's not available outside. Of, I mean, God does miracles and God, God, work, God can do whatever he wants, but he... He, the way that he's prescribed it to us is he says, when you get in fellowship with the body, you'll actually begin to be healed. You'll begin to be healed emotionally. You begin to be healed, maybe even physically. There's something physical that needs to be healed inside. Maybe there's a psychological healing that needs to take place. See, many times we think of the word sozo, we think of save salvation as a one-time deal. It's a golden ticket to heaven. You accept the Lord, pray a prayer, I'm good to go. But but the writers of this text understood that salvation was a process. It was the beginning of a journey of healing, of sanctification, a process of being made, say, being coming into a place of being saved. We're, so constantly we're being saved, right? That, that's how they understood this. All of us in here, no matter if you've been a Christian 50 years, you're still in a process of being saved, being healed, being restored, right? Being reconciled to God, it's, it's, it's a constant journey that we have to take with him. In James 5, it says this, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him call, not the, not the young people in the faith. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him call for the people who know the word. Let him call for the people who have seen God do some things. Let him call for the people who know God. Let him call for the people who will pray with faith. Because what does it say? It says, let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Let me say, if we're faithful to the fellowship of believers and we're willing to submit and come and maybe even be humble to, to say some things that need to be said, to come and receive prayer, to submit our lives into the fellowship of the body. God has healing that's available for those people. That's what he's promised. That's what his word said. Don't take me. I'm just hiding behind God's word. That's what his word says. Amen. That's what his word said. Because it says this, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. See, I really think we, we've begun to meet and say, hey, we're fellowshipping but we're actually just doing community. I really believe that's what the Lord revealed to me, is that the reason why we don't experience the miraculous when we fellowship is we're not actually fellowshipping. We're not confessing our faults to one another. We're not being open. One, we're not being transparent. We're not being real with one another. We're putting on a mask, you know, being fake, acting like we're something that we're not, and we don't experience healing. Amen. If you Amen. want to see healing, if you want to see the miraculous in your life, why don't you try doing what God said and be open, be vulnerable, be transparent, be what you need, be, experience real fellowship. Now, you need to use wisdom with that. Okay, let me just put the caveat on there. You can't just say anything to anybody. Okay, it says call for the elders of the church. So, you know, you've you got to say the right things to the right people. You don't want to go in a couple's small group and start talking about your individual, you know, issues with, with sin and all that kind of stuff, right? We, gotta, we have to write... Say the right things in the right context, but God says when you do, there's healing available. I believe that there's, there's pain and there's sickness and there's hurt in the church because we're not submitting to the way that God prescribed it. We're doing community when we say we're doing fellowship. But there is a supernatural grace that God gives when we fellowship. That was the revelation. I don't know if maybe that hits differently for you, but I thought, I looked at this and I went, Wow. God's power will activate when we begin to fellowship in a real way, true fellowship. And when we worship him in spirit and in truth, there's got to be a truth aspect to our fellowship where we, where we walk out in truth and we bring darkness. We bring what's in the darkness into light because I, man, I'll tell you what, I didn't find freedom until I began to be truthful with myself and with everyone around me. I tried, I tried to act like I knew some stuff about the word. I tried to, you know, put on my teaching hat, you know. They're like, wow, you know something? You know. I, I still struggled, still struggled until I was humble. And I came before them. I said, man, this is what I'm dealing with. And then brothers surrounded me. They said, man, you're going to sit in the middle. We're going to lay hands on you, right? Because, because they said, you know, I've dealt with that. You know, I've seen that. You know, I was healed from that. Started a rising faith in me. I started to be encouraged. Started to be, and then they could hold me accountable. And then all of a sudden, 
I was transformed. It wasn't, it wasn't overnight, but it was a process. And I'm still on the journey, amen? But the reality is that God's overcoming power was available when I submitted to his way of doing fellowship, not mine. Not what I thought fellowship should look like, what he told me it should look like. Confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. Take something on our part for him to release the power on his part. Amen. Are we going to submit to him? Why do we want to devote ourselves to fellowship? Well, because one, God, he, God said to, God told us to, amen. But two, because it's his prescription for the process of salvation, for the process of being healed completely, a circumspect wholeness to your life. If you feel like you're missing your joy and your peace and you're depressed and you're worried all the time, that's not the yoke of Jesus. That's not, that's not, it's, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're dealing with a heaviness, you need to put on the garment of praise like our pastors were talking about and begin to turn that thing because God is on your side and he will do it. He is faithful to his word. And just like we were singing before, I don't just sing that song, Waymaker, Miracle. I really believe that song. God's a miracle worker. He's, he's in the miracle working and he's, he's operating in the supernatural. If we're willing to tap into that by doing what he said, I believe we would see miracles. We would. We would. I truly believe that. How is God speaking to you today about returning to him? Because I, I don't want to just talk to you, you know, and make a good point. This is, this is about life change. This is about living our lives differently because Jesus commanded us to. If he's our king, we're going to do what he says. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Are we loving Jesus in the way that he asked us to love us? Or are we loving him in the way that we think he should be loved? You know, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the five love languages. You know, we I can love my wife by gifts of giving, but she's a, you know, <laughs> she, she, she's a physical touch or whatever, you know? I mean, like, it, it could be completely different. I'm loving someone else in the way that they don't want to be loved. I wonder if we're loving God like that. We're giving him, so actually it says, it says in Matthew, if you're coming to the altar to give a gift to God, and you remember that a brother has something against you or you've got something against the brother, he says, stop right there. Don't you come to this altar. You go reconcile yourself to your brother and then you come back and give right. your gift. Yeah. <laughs> we don't hear that much anymore, y'all. We think, oh, well, I'm going to give, you know, God my gift and I'm going to check the box and I'm good. But Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Amen. He said that to a religious people who were checking boxes, thinking that they were good with the Lord. He said, no, 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 no. That's, I don't care about your stuff. The reason why I want you to give me stuff is because the stuff has your heart. I don't want your stuff. I want your heart. Amen. Amen. That's what God cares about. He desires mercy. Last night I was reading. I was tempted to change my whole message, uh, but I had to contain myself. And 1 John says this. He has given us a command. This is the Apostle John talking about Jesus, that Jesus had given him a command. This is the apostles' teaching that we're supposed to be devoted to. The apostles taught what they received from Jesus, right? This is what he says. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. See, many people want to want to say, I love Jesus, but those people in the church, mm -mm. <laughs> I, I could do without that. You know, I was hurt by them and they talked trash about me and, you know, they, they did that to my mom and, you know, they, they worked my dad to the bone and he left the church and, I, you know, I've experienced that. I've tried a small group before. They were just doing this. I don't like the way that that happened. When they prayed, they called me out. But I believe the Lord is asking us to return. And there's a promise it says, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. Amen. If we return to the Lord, he will return to us. 
And if there's one thing that the church needs today, if there's one thing that our communities need today, if there's one thing that our nation needs today, it's to return to the Lord, that, Lord, you would return to us. That he would return to us. Maybe you've never even experienced a relationship with God. Maybe you've never experienced the power of God in your life. The overcoming power of God, the abundant life that Jesus came to make of it. He said, that's why I came. That's why I came. So that you would have life. He poured out his life so that we could have his life. What, what he deserved, he gave to us. That's the good news that we're reconciled to God. And one of the ways that we experience God is we get around people who know him. When my faith went to the next level, my relationship with God went to the next level, I put myself around other people who were at the next level. Amen. I got around people who knew God because I wanted to know him too. I believe some of us today need to return. Would you pray with me? Father, we need you. And we're sorry, Lord, if we made it about anything else than what you told us to do, God. We return to you today. God, give us perseverance. Give us faith. God, give us the grace to overcome all the things, God. But let us not be solo, God. Let us not be individual. Let us be connected to the body, to your church, God. And we know the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We know that you're building your church and we know that you're here today building up individuals in this community context, Lord, that's centered on you. Supercharge our spirits, Lord. Energize the gifts within us that we would participate in the church, that we would use our gifts for your glory, that we would build your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us what it is that we need. You know every need today. Never started a relationship with the Lord with all eyes closed and all heads bowed. If you want to do that today, would you just raise your hand for me? If you do, if you do not know the Lord, but you want his saving grace in your life and you want to overcome some things in your life. I want to do something else. I want the next group of people. That if you feel like the Lord is asking you to return to something, I want you to raise your hand. If the Lord is moving in your heart to return to something that you're not currently doing, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you for raising your hand. Father, I lift up those people whose hearts are being impacted today. God, it's a supernatural work that you're doing in their life. God, I pray that you would honor that hand raised, God. And I pray that you would that you would energize their spirits, God, in a, in a just in a tangible way, God. Would you make yourself real to them? Manifest yourself to them, God, in their lives. And I pray that your power would be evident. And that as they were obedient, as they took steps of obedience towards you, that you would honor that and that you would take steps towards them. Return to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity to talk to you today. As the pastor comes up, I just want to say thank you. You know, seriously, thank you guys. I'm Come on, give Pastor Eric a hand. Good, tremendous job. Appreciate you being You know what he gave us today?
plans of God are tied. That he can't do what he promised to do. But the real fact is that God's hands are not tied. We tie God's hands. Amen. Right. You say, Pastor, how do we tie God's hands? We tie God's hands when we refuse to praise him. I don't know how. I really don't know how you come to a church service and don't worship God. You can stay at home and not worship. But when you come here and we come together, what, what do we want to do? We want to untie the hands of God. Did you know? You say, Pastor, where, where do you see that in the Bible? I see it in Acts when Paul and Silas were in prison at midnight. God never responded until they did something as an act of faith. And the Bible says about midnight, they began to pray, they began to praise, and they began to sing. And when they responded to the goodness of God by faith, God shook the prison, the doors came open, shackles fell off their feet, and they were free. Why? Because they 